Welcome. We are excited that you've joined Open Life today to uh, dive into the first of two vision talks. We're going to talk today about true disciples. We've been reading John 15 in this series called Ready, and I'm going to jump into it. You'll see uh, what what God does to prepare us. Uh, it says, I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. What an incredible phrase true disciples. And, and I want to challenge you about this. What if the season of pruning we've experienced through 2020 has made us ready to be the true disciples Jesus is speaking of here? More fruitful than ever before. And I'm believing those words over open life. You will produce much fruit. Our big idea today is Jesus challenges us to be true disciples. True disciples produce much fruit. Uh, if you just were honest, let's take a look in a mirror. It's a great time, beginning of the year, and just, how's the fruit? Can you say confidently, like, I'm a disciple of Jesus? And how comfortable would you be sharing with someone that you're a disciple of Jesus, that you're a follower of Jesus. He's your Lord and Savior. Yeah, and these are some great questions to ponder as we jump into this first of two weeks uh, talk. And, and honestly, we're going to 
We're going to save the what are we going to do type things for next week. But we're looking at today, what are we going to, what do we need to be? What are we being challenged to be? Because God made us human beings, not human doings, right? What do I need to be? We looked at last this last week, but Jesus gave the great commission to his disciples after the resurrection. Not just his 11 remaining closest disciples were there, but there were others. There were many new disciples at this point in time. And, and he gives this challenge, Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, you got to capture what's happened here, and, and I'll give you the, the, the cliff notes of the Gospels, if you will. Jesus shows up on the scene and starts recruiting his disciples, those who are going to follow under his teaching, which is what a disciple is. You know, and he's, he, he first, he has 12 disciples that he recruits personally to be those closest to him as fishers of Men, those who will re reach the lost and be sent out. He sends them out. We see later in the Gospels that he actually sends out 72 additional disciples, uh, two by two to towns and villages. And then we see crowds, great crowds following Jesus and people asking to be his disciples. And, and so there's more and more disciples added as Jesus leads. And as Jesus returns here after his resurrection to give this commission, there are people who have been leading people who have been leading new people into a, an understanding of God's love, that his kingdom is near, is what they were sharing, right? That Jesus, the son of God, was here. And that's where we came up with our mission, that we're, we're to be people, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. I look at this and just go, man, Jesus raised up disciples who raised up disciples who then raised up even newer disciples. And then he challenged them to go to all nations doing the same. And we're still in the same business. 11 years later, Open Life is in the same mission. And uh, from when we first started. And I look here and I go, how is God challenging us to walk this out right now? How do we need to be transformed and, and able uh, to be able for him to keep flowing through us and leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus in the community? How can we keep inspiring ourselves to lean into that mission? And what is our call to action that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks. How do we become one who is ready to produce much fruit? Really foundational. What are the foundational elements? And so thought one, we have to be more like Jesus. Plain and simple, we have to be more like Jesus. We have an opportunity to live our lives differently, which will make us shine brighter, right? It goes beyond and way beyond just going to church or having a church to, to go to. We should be more like Jesus every day. The challenge that Peter gave his audience that was listening, the church, uh, is pretty evident of how we should be growing. 
I'll read it all for you. Second Peter 1, 1 through 11 says, I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. The faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow, there you go, grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living in godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, man, if, if you need a list to follow, <laughs> right? If we need to know how to grow, well, and there's no mystery after reading that, that God's intent is that we grow. God's intent is that we're adding layers on top of the foundation of faith in Jesus. We have to choose to follow Jesus, right? Because that's the only way we're going to begin to live life to the full. But then on top of that, faith's decision and that salvation promise there's opportunities to become more like Jesus every day. And I love these challenges that Jesus' disciples now are passing on to the church that we get to glean in on. And, and it says we should make every effort to add these things to our life. Every effort. Like, it's not, faith is a lifelong journey, but what kind of effort are we giving towards our faith? Like, let's lean into the inconveniences. <laughs> let's, okay, I know, I know, and, and this is unique to open life. Saturday is different than Sunday, and we want to gather on Sundays. We'll talk about that next week. But every effort, Saturday morning is, is a morning. We can wake up, we can grow in our relationship with Jesus. We can do the work of equipping ourselves and being inspired in person and encouraging one another. Man, we need to make every effort to grow. And with faith, not as a badge, but as a foundation to build upon. Paul said it this way in, in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but uh, let God transform you into a new person 
by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and imperfect. True disciples are not looking for God's endorsement on their life. They're looking to live their best life through a growing relationship with Jesus. So how does my relationship with Jesus change the way I parent? How does my relationship with Jesus change the way I, I, I would date back in the day, right? Or if that's you right now, how should it change the way I grow? How should it change the way I follow politics? Oh, I said the P word, sorry. Forgive that one. Uh, you know, how should it change the way I teach, I post, I believe, I treat other students at school? Fill in the blank. It should change all of us. Like we should be affected by our faith. And um, Jaden and I were processing this talk and he had been reading an article in one publication that I'd been reading in another. And, and I want to build the tension. Can I just build some tension for you? You need to understand what uh, somebody might be talking about concerning us as followers of Jesus. And there's a prominent Christian who stumbled into sin and, and hopefully is being restored gently right now as Galatians challenges us to do. But a journalist who is not a follower of Jesus himself Write some interesting words that should really open our eyes, challenge us, make us aware of how our faith appears to the world around us. And uh, he coined this phrase in the article, twist of Christianity. Maybe it's like a twist of lime or, you know, something like that in a, in a drink. So his language makes sense. Twist of, twist of Christianity, speaking of some celebrities who say they're Christian, but it's just a twist of Christianity. Uh, maybe even some, some celebrity type pastors out there in the world that just, you know, their self-help kind of with a twist of Christianity he even defines it. He goes into it and he says, uh, there's mainstream culture, celebrities, fashion, music, modish political activism, and a message of self-love, but with a twist of Christianity. So, he says, if Christianity is such an inessential add-on, why become a Christian? I'm not religious, so it's not my place to dictate to Christians what they should and should not believe. Still, if someone has a faith worth following, I feel that their beliefs should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing so. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there is nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become more like them, it looks very much as if they want to become more like me. I don't know. That bothers me, actually, reading that. And I go, I want to stand out. I do want to have a great relationship and be building relationships with those around me who are followers of Jesus and not followers of Jesus. But I hope my lifestyle would challenge them and would show something that they're not experiencing anywhere else. When we follow Jesus, we must begin the work of becoming more like Jesus. 
and letting that be the light that shines to the world around us. Our differences should allow us to elevate and be more radiant of a witness that Jesus is a savior of the world. But if we are working hard to hold on to to where we've come from or what we've done before, or we're trying to fit in, we might fall into the trap he's talking about. And we might be welcome, we might be honored, the door may be open to us, but it's only because we're living a twist of Christianity. Jesus' lifestyle (laughs) convicted people around him so deeply that he was crucified. He was killed for his different way of living. And even because amongst other people of the faith, because a different way he saw we should live in a relationship with our heavenly father, his actual father. Let God transform you into a new person who's more like Jesus every day and watch this be the most fulfilling year of your life. Or you'll just end up on a cross and it'll be the last year of your life. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But boy, what a crazy thing. Like, is, is my life worthy of persecution? How do we become one who's ready to produce much fruit? Well, number two, thought two, we need to see like Jesus. See like Jesus. So we need to be like Jesus and see like Jesus. Be one who sees, who has spiritual vision. We need to keep our eyes on the harvest. Jesus' disciples make his way back to him after he spent some time talking to the woman at the well that we've referred to in past weeks. And he is, he's, has this great conversation. She goes back, invites the whole village out. They all give their lives to the Lord. And they're just like, they're astonished. The disciples are astonished that Jesus is there, that he's talking to this gal, that she's affecting people in this village. And he says to him simply, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around. The fields are all ready for the harvest. The fields are ready. The harvest Jesus is referring to is people, souls, Fishers of men, as he recruited the disciples initially to become. Those in need, without the influence of faith within their lives, they just won't make it because they're harassed and helpless. Luke 19, 10, he makes it clear why he came. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus had a clear vision and understanding of why he came in the flesh to fulfill his Father's will for you and me. Without Jesus, we're lost. We're under the law and all of its requirements. We're Gentiles, most of us. We're not even able to experience the grace of God. We're just out, right? He came for everyone who has yet to experience him. And now we hold that understanding and should be moved in the way he's moved. And we should have his vision, He expressed it this way to his disciples in Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. 
When our eyes get focused on ourselves instead of the harvest, we make decisions that are self-serving. You know, they serve us, they serve our interests. But God wants to make us more like Jesus so that we can see how to make decisions that will impact the lost. Because they're ready for harvest. There are people in your neighborhood right now ready for harvest. There are people in your family right now who are ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. There are people at your workplace who want to follow Jesus, on your commute train that want to follow Jesus. There are people who are on the internet surfing on Facebook right now that haven't seen you share this service yet. And if so, they're going to hear this talk and they're going to get to this part and go, wow, they cared enough to hit share because they need to know how much God loves them. Everyone, it says everyone, everybody always. Here's, here's a tip. I'll just give you a free, free tip, um, easy point of focus. Love people that matter to God. Like if you need something to do this week, love people that matter to God. In fact, uh, your love for them should motivate you to some form of action. And guess what? That means you're loving everybody always. We need to love people that matter to God. Our, our foundational verse of open life, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. People should feel love. And our focus on the harvest helps us remember that's our mission, is to be that expression of love from God to the world around us. Jesus showed up on the scene and became more and more and more like his heavenly father. More and more like his heavenly father, not more and more like humanity to relate. He showed how to live to his disciples and then to more disciples and then to new disciples. And he challenged all of us to do the same. When we become more like Jesus, we are motivated by the same things that motivate him. We're fulfilled by the same things that fulfill him. And we see things that he sees. And we should be moved to a similar compassion. I'm just going to full on give you a dangerous, dangerous prayer to pray. This is... This is crazy because I think it's going to impact what you see this week. But if you would just start your day and say, Jesus, help me see what you see. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Jesus, help me see what you see. Break my heart for what breaks yours. I think some crazy things are going to happen. Because when you see the harvest the way Jesus sees it, when you see people that need Jesus and have compassion on them, it moves you. Well, Thad, how many people is that? Um, who's God called me to reach? Well, who has God called you within this community to reach? Bonnie Lake, Washington. Uh, Target. When we first started 11 years ago, we took a radius uh, uh, search and did demographic reports and studies and stuff uh, from targets as a central point in the community and did this research. We found out that about 80,000 people within uh, a radius of Bonnie Lake 
made a decision on like all the data to say that they did not have any sort of relationship with God, no religion. They were unchurched. They were undecided, if you would, or maybe um, they they believed some things that are just counter uh, Jesus. They, they weren't in alignment with, with what we believe. And so if you take that and you go, well, what does that translate to now 11 years later? Uh, the most recent research would say a seven-mile radius of Target, there are 120,000 people who do not have a faith of any kind. They're, they're like, I'm not a, a faith follower, or if so, I lean towards this thing which is really not biblical. And so uh, you just look at that, 120,000 people do not have a relationship with Jesus. Seven out of every 10 people. That's 70%. And they have generationally not comprehended that there's more to life than what they've currently experienced. I mean, faith is not even a thought. They could drive by a church with the most beautiful, the most beautiful building, the most beautiful reader board signs, the most relevant event happening inside for them and they wouldn't, unless personally invited by somebody they respected, they would never walk through the door. Jesus sees this as harvest, not hopeless. Jesus sees that and he says 100% of the people in this community, 10 out of 10 are loved by my father in heaven. And if we see the way Jesus sees, we're going to be broken for those who do not know, yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Wow. Well, lastly, how do we become one who's ready to produce much fruit? Thought three, expect like Jesus. Expect like and be expectant. Like we need to expectantly pursue the fruits of the harvest. Like, it's one thing to say, well, maybe some people will get to know Jesus in the coming years. What if we expect everybody to know Jesus? <laughs> and we expect to have an opportunity to share Jesus with everyone around us within our blast radius. Jesus didn't only see the harvest. He expected his followers to go and reap the harvest, bearing fruit in keeping with true discipleship. It was not only Jesus' vision for the harvest, but his expectation for harvest that guided his own actions. He constantly course corrects so that he could partake in a moment of harvest while he was doing ministry on this earth. No wonder we're pruned until we can bear the most fruit possible. No wonder we're redirected at times in order to see and pursue harvest opportunities around us. So, so many of the interruptions in our lives should be reevaluated. We should back up and go, wait, wait, wait. Maybe there's an opportunity in this. Maybe we could look at this opportunistically. I'm not going to be a victim to 2021. I'm not going to be a victim to 2020. There are things God revealed to us that we can learn from and understand greater things. You know what happened at the beginning of 2020 for us, for open life? We were getting ready to move into the Performing Arts Center of Bonnie Lank High School to worship. 
And in that, the occupancy of the building was 552. We're praying for our vision and getting ready for all the new launch for our 10th year and the celebration and all that. But we're like, what is God really laying on our heart that resembles the harvest, the fruit of the harvest? What is a symbol of the first thing people do when they become followers of Jesus? If they just want to go public with their faith, it's water baptism. And in that moment, as we were dreaming of how to see a visible transformation of our community, the fruits of the harvest, if you will, God put this number in us that scared us and challenged us, 552, the occupancy of the building. And we were like, if 500, if in the next 10 years, looking at our past, if in the next 10 years, we could baptize 552, oh God, how awesome would that be, right? Okay, and now this week we're looking ahead. So the goal still stands 552 by 2030. But if there are 120,000 people who need Jesus in our radius of seven miles, Maybe our faith should be bigger than 552. That's not even 1%, right? Of people who we could help find and follow Jesus. If our expectancy is for people to find and follow Jesus and we can see the harvest and we're becoming more like Jesus, therefore we see clear, therefore we expect more and anticipate what can be ahead. I think we can go way bigger than 552 water baptisms. But yet, God was even preparing us at the beginning of 2020 to have our minds focused on the fruit of the harvest, to be expectant. The only way that that's going to happen is if we have some pioneers. We mentioned this last Sunday, some pioneers of the faith, people who would be inviters, inviting people to learn about Jesus through open light, encouraging people in their pursuit of the faith being an encourager of the faith, being the people who lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We need people to rise up. This means you as a member of Open Life will be committed to practicing the three that we call it. It's, a, it's on the missions banner when you walk inside and, and we say it often, you can watch the video on the app, but connecting with God and each other. If you were to take your own faith walk and say, on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing in these three areas? Connecting with God and each other. Well, however I'm doing right now, what if I take that up one step this year, right? How about I take connecting with God and Bible reading and, and, and prayer and, 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 and connecting with each other by showing up in person again to church or, or, or showing up on a group, even in Zoom or online and saying I'm present. Ways of connecting with each other. The second thing that is in that three is serving God and each other. I'm gonna say, yes, I'm jumping back into serving and, and may, that might look like the prayer team. That might look like I'm gonna pray as I walk around my neighborhood and, and that God would allow me to see opportunities to serve and that I would say, I'm here to help in the areas of my gifting. So we need to pray, see, and help serving God and each other or sharing our lives with God and each other. That we would be a generous people. We challenge ourselves on that every week. And, and we practice tithing, the giving of the, giving of the first 10% of our income to the Lord. And watch what he does that. We're to give it to his church, 
and just watch how he uses that to grow the kingdom. Share what's encouraging to you. Share your story, your time, talents, treasures. If we did these three things in increasing measure from wherever we're at, if you're a three, go to a four. If you're at a six, go to a seven. We would partake in the harvest that is ripe right now. We're just waiting for the workers, right? We're supposed to increase our measure, according to Peter there in 2 Peter 1, because that will help us be more like Jesus. This term pioneer is not in the scripture, but a pioneer I see as those who are becoming more like Jesus, seeing the harvest and expecting the fruit of the harvest, and they're willing to begin new ministries. They're willing to step, step into areas that are needed that don't exist. They're launching new groups and leading them, not awaiting on the leaders to lead them, but, but carrying the mission forward. Disciples discipling people who are discipling new people. And that that empowerment of the church begins to function like never before. It's time we rise up and create things that will serve the first fruits of an unbelievable harvest if we even tried to express what it looks like. And uh, man, let me come full circle with this thought. While we can look around and see many branches pruned from the, the trees like in the graphic, um, you know, we can see uh, that the purpose for that is that we would be ready for an even more fruitful season ahead, a harvest like we've never seen before. And I just have to believe in that. I just have to have my mindset on that. And the more of us committed to this, to be like Jesus, the more of us keeping our eyes on the harvest, the more of us expectant of the harvest and ready for it, God will bring the most fulfilling season of this church's history ever ahead of us. The best is yet to come. 2020 has allowed us to understand we can lean into discipleship no matter the methods we have at hand. There are many ways we can disciple people to follow Jesus. In fact, we can see our need is great to become true disciples, not distracted by the next opportunity or the most glamorous uh, thing to pursue, but getting back to the roots of being more like Jesus and partaking in the harvest that is plentiful. So who are those who shine bright in dark times? Followers of Jesus, right? Who are those who find the harvest fields ripe? His true disciples. Who are those who put into practice the things that bear fruit in keeping with the harvest? His true disciples. It's easy to get caught up in doing things for Jesus instead of being more like Jesus. If we had more genuine Jesus people, the world would be drawn to their example. It'd be vibrant. And they would be experiencing full life and peace of mind like never before through a growing relationship with Jesus. Okay, action point out of this. Pretty obvious, it's there in your notes. Become more like Jesus. Become more like Jesus. What are you going to do this year that will allow you to become more like Jesus. Let's love some people that God loves. Let's pray some dangerous prayers. Let's have our minds fixed on the harvest. Because when we understand our why, we can go after and go through any obstacles that present themselves. Can we pray? 
God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to invite people into a service right here online. And I pray that, God, you would speak through this lens, even those that maybe were invited after the fact, we welcome in, uh, that, that have been, this message has been shared with them and they found themselves watch it all the way to now. And if that's you and you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right now is the foundational moment to say, yes, Jesus, I, I need direction. I need a Savior. Put your mind on Jesus. Put your focus on Jesus. And guess what? The journey, God, is so amazing. I just pray you would help them grow daily in their relationship with you and that the person inviting them gets to, to walk alongside their growth and encourage them in the faith. God, I pray you would raise up pioneers of the faith in our church. I pray you would raise up people who are becoming more like Jesus, that are, are keeping their eyes on the focus. They see, their focus is on the harvest. You know, their eyes are there seeing the things Jesus sees, being broken for the things that break your heart. And God, I pray that you would help us be expectant of a harvest. Increase our faith. Shock us with more than we can ask or imagine. God, we keep that faith for baptizing 552 people. Blow us out of the water with more than that. As we see the plentiful harvest you've prepared us for, we're ready. And we're here saying we're ready, Jesus. Use us as your hands and feet in the world today, right where we're at. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Can't wait to see you next week.